And so Jesus said to them, But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Every town, no matter how small it is, has at least one person that has some kind of claim to fame. So, thinking of Sudbury, Ontario, where my mom grew up, we have Alex Trebek. Or Ottawa, my hometown, if they claim me, I claim them. Um, we have Dan Aykroyd, and the list might go on and on. Timmins, little Timmins, way up north, has Shania Twain. And Pembroke has my mom. Because everyone's mom is famous, right? So that's always the most famous person from town. But if you don't know my mom, then maybe the next most famous person from Pembroke, at least in theological circles, is Richard John Newhouse, whose father was a pastor in this very church. Now, hopefully you all know about Richard John, but if you don't, I did get one chance to meet him, and that was when I was a student at Fort Wayne Seminary, and he came to speak at our annual symposium. And he stood up, this pastor who by this time was now a Roman Catholic priest, and began his talk by asking one simple question. Do you, each and every morning Lutherans, get out of bed and ask yourself, why am I not a Roman Catholic? That's a great way to start for a room full of a thousand Lutheran pastors, right? Do you get up in the morning and ask yourself, why am I a Lutheran? Well, it seems to me on a day like today, the 502nd anniversary of the posting of the 95 Theses, this is an excellent question to ask. And in fact, we should. Maybe not every day, but often ask ourselves, why are we Lutheran? What is this all about? Jesus, in our gospel for this morning, has an interesting statement. He says, wisdom is justified by her deeds. Now, that seems like a truly bizarre reading to have for the Reformation, this day that we often say is all about our being saved by grace, by faith by our trust in Jesus Christ. And yet here is Jesus saying that wisdom is justified by what you do? How does that fit with this celebration of the recovery of the gospel by this monk 500 years ago in Germany, way over the sea? Well, I am a missionary of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I have been so since 2013, since I was called to serve in the mission field of China. Took a little bit of a detour after China and ended up in this kind of unusual situation of being missionary in Montreal, Quebec, while also being the missionary supervisor for a bunch of islands in the Caribbean. Now, when I'm preaching to Canadians, I'm always afraid I'm going to lose them at this point. What a great job except for the fact that, you know, you get stuck in snowstorms on one end and you get stuck in hurricanes on the other end. All of the United States is a flyover state for me. But 
part of my work as a missionary is going around to people like you and talking about the mission of the church, talking about the work that I do in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to people, whether they be in Jamaica or the Cayman Islands or Puerto Rico or in Canada's second largest city. And last year, when I spent two solid weeks traveling around Texas, big state, speaking at different congregations, I saw a pattern in all these Lutheran churches in the question that the people there were asking me. Just like Richard John Newhouse asked, do you get up in the morning and ask, why are you a Lutheran? These people kept saying, why are not more people getting up on Sunday morning and saying, I am a Lutheran and coming to church? Why are our pews empty? Pastor, missionary, what do we need to do to get more people to come to worship? Pastor, we're playing the flute for our community, and they're not dancing. We're singing a dirge for them, and they're not mourning. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. And so Pastor St. Ange, missionary of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, what are we doing wrong? Let me ask a better, if I might even say more Lutheran, question. Could it be not about what you are doing, but about what you believe? The apologies to our Romanist brothers and sisters, they are still not clear about what the wisdom that Jesus is talking about really is. Because the wisdom of Christ is that he is our salvation, wholly and completely. And those who put their faith and trust in him are demonstrating the deeds that justify. Deeds are the effect, but faith is the cause. Deeds, if you will, are the path of the truck down the road, but faith is the desire to get into the truck and drive it to where you want to go in the first place. Deeds might be the lack of cavities in your mouth, but faith is your willingness to brush your teeth and get that long-forgotten dental floss out of the back of the drawer and actually think about using it. If we are not dancing to Christ's tune, it's not because we don't know the steps. It's because like that typical 7th and 8th grader in middle school, we're afraid to get out on the dance floor. And if we're not singing to the music of the pipes, it's not because we don't know how to sing. It's often because we are afraid to open our mouths and face judgment. The wisdom of Christ is shown forth in this simple thing. We let go of the fears that weigh us down and trust that in Christ God has taken care of everything that truly matters. And so what holds us back from dancing and singing with our Lord is plain and simple fear. The opposite of faith is not unbelief. It's fear. It's being afraid. I once saw a t-shirt that put a spin on the words of the late President Roosevelt. And maybe you've all seen the t-shirt too, or at least seen the poster. There is nothing to fear but fear itself and spiders. See, that would be me. I really don't like spiders. One of the reasons why the Lord, I think, is trying to test me by making me work in the Caribbean, because we have big spiders down there. 
I never quite know what's going to be lurking around the little hotelito or wherever place it is that I'm staying with my missionary friends. The Middle Ages, especially around the time of Luther, were driven by fear. Fear of the executioner's acts, fear of those in authority, fear of the plague, fear of a poor harvest. Everything was about being afraid that we might not make it to the end of the day, never mind the end of the year. And the Christian church played on that fear. Because they had forgotten who they were. They'd forgotten the dance tune. And they'd forgotten the words. And so the church played into the fear by making people afraid of excommunication, afraid of purgatory, afraid of hell. Everyone was walking around in fear, whether in the church walls or outside. Even Martin Luther. You all know the story, or at least have watched the movie. If you haven't, go home and do that. It's a good thing to do. Be reminded of what happened with this German monk. How did he end up as a German monk and not a profound lawyer in Germany, which is what his dad wanted? Did he go to the monastery out of a desire to demonstrate his joy and love for God? No, he was driven there by fear. Fear of God and his wrath until the Spirit of God opened up his mind to the true path of wisdom, which is not fear, but faith, trust, reliance, a wholehearted commitment, putting all the chips down on it, on Jesus. And it seemed to me, Luther wrote, as if I had been born again and was entering into paradise through newly opened doors. All at once, the Bible began to speak in quite a different way to me. The very phrase, righteousness of God, which I had hated before, because he was afraid of it, was the one I now love the best of all. That is how that passage of Paul's became for me the gateway to paradise, and at once the whole scripture showed me another face, not driving me to fear of God and his wrath, but demonstrating to me God's profound love for his fallen people in his son, Jesus Christ. And Luther found there was no longer any place in his life for fear. Because now that he knew that God loved him with that profound a love that he would give his only son to die for him, how could he walk in fear any longer? And so St. Paul wrote to Timothy, Paul gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished even death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is what drove Luther and all of his colleagues to put all the chips on Jesus and say there's no room anymore in our lives for fear once our lives have been filled by the Spirit in faith. 
faith, Luther wrote, is a living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Such confidence and knowledge of God's grace makes you happy, joyful, bold in your relationship to God and all creatures. And so, when I'm asked by congregations, what is holding the Lutheran Church back? I say, my dear friends, wisdom is justified by her deeds. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you believe what he says he has done for you? Indeed, Christ calls us to mourn, and there is a lot of things to mourn in our world. If you're not sure what to mourn about, um, just click on, you know, cbc.ca, ctv, CNN, Fox News, pick your news channel. Read for about five minutes. You'll find something you could probably mourn about in the world today. The fallenness of everything, the sin that so easily entangles even you and I. And of course, Christ continues to play the flute at the same time to rejoice that even in the midst of a fallen world, because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, Heaven is ours, sins are forgiven, consciences are clear. When that happens, when we hear these words of Christ, we rejoice. And instead of being driven by the wisdom of the world, which is all about fear, we are driven by the wisdom of Christ, which is all about faith. Now all those same congregations that I talked to, and I generally talk to about 30 to 40 over a two-year period, a lot of congregations, that ask me, Pastor, you know, why is our church not growing? The next thing they ask me is, well, the places where you're working, Jamaica, the Cayman Islands, Puerto Rico, Haiti, Montreal, are they receptive to the gospel? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe Pembroke just isn't receptive to the gospel, but Haiti is. I want to look at them and repeat to them the words of Luther from the small catechism. We cannot, by our own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. You and I, friends, even though we may have been lifelong Christians, baptized at infancy into Christ, were at birth not receptive to the gospel. Do you know that? None of us were. None of us were interested by nature for two seconds in what God had to tell us about Jesus, but the Spirit through somebody bringing us to church or somebody sharing with us this message about Jesus drew us out of fear and into faith, out of mourning and into dancing, and we became Christian. If we determined who we were going to share the gospel with by quote-unquote how receptive they are, we wouldn't tell anybody about Jesus. We certainly wouldn't go to Kingston, Jamaica. Too dangerous. Six people shot in between the place where we're staying in our short-term residency place and the school that we just opened last month on one of the mornings two weeks ago when I was down there. That's scary when you pick up the paper and say, I just drove by that store yesterday morning. We wouldn't be in the Cayman Islands either. Too rich. Who needs to hear the gospel there? That's where all the big high finance is, right? 
We certainly wouldn't be in Puerto Rico, mostly because Luther Church, Missouri Synod can't decide if Puerto Rico is national or international. Is it part of the United States, not part of the United States? And why on earth would we send a missionary to Quebec? See, I only get that chuckle in Canada, which is great. I have to do like a whole lead up to that in the United States. Do you like, Quebec? What's a Quebec? And how do you pronounce that? Quebec? Surely none of those French speakers are receptive to the gospel. They've all left the church. When we talk that way, we're not being driven by faith. We're being driven by fear. Pure and simple. And our lack of wisdom is justifying us, but not in the way that God wants us to be justified in Christ. We work in those places, not because we are afraid, but precisely because we have faith. Too many of our congregations are driven by fear and not by faith in Christ. We retreat into ourselves. I know because I've served churches like this. Pastor, we don't like change. How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Change? Who said anything about change? Here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Every single time Christ draws someone new to the gospel in your midst, your church has changed. Church is change. It's all about change. Because as the Christian church grew from Pentecost until now, it has been continually changing. New people being drawn by that message of Christ to come and join us and become part of our family. You and I change. Every time we stand up and your pastor gets behind the altar and says, Beloved in the Lord, let us confess our sins to one another. Let us draw near to Christ and God. And every time we say, I am a poor, miserable sinner and I resolve to do better, guess what? The Spirit is causing you to change. We don't want to be fearful of change, but have faith that Christ will bring the change that needs to happen that we might grow into the people he has named us to be sons and daughters of his father in baptism. The reality is that there's only one antidote to fear from a Christian perspective. And it's not to tell people not to be afraid. That just doesn't work. That was why there was a Reformation 500 years ago. Because telling people not to be afraid over and over and over again only makes them more scared. Gosh, they keep telling me not to be afraid. There must be something to be afraid of. The only antidote to fear is Christ, is the gospel. And Richard John Newhouse, that is why I am an evangelical Catholic, a gospel Christian, a Lutheran, whatever you want to call it. One who has put, as a dear friend of mine just told me in Jamaica, all his chips on Jesus. Because the only antidote to fear is to continually be soaked wave after wave in the announcement of precisely what God has done for you and I while we were still enemies in sending his son Jesus Christ to die for you and me that we might be atoned. I noticed a sign, probably my directions are wrong, in the entrance to your fellowship hall that you have AA meetings here. I've never been to an AA meeting before until I went to visit a church again in Texas that invited me to their AA meeting one evening. Like, okay. When you're invited as a missionary and you're a guest and somebody says, come to our AA meeting, you go. 
And as we went through the steps of what it is that people who are addicted go through in these 12-step programs, I recognized our Christian faith. Because the very first step is to admit that you are powerless. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. And the second step is to recognize that only a higher power can restore us. As Christians, we walk through the 12 steps without knowing it all the time. As through our reading of the scriptures, through our participation in the sacraments, we have our addiction to fear continually overturned by faith in Christ. That is the tune Christ sings and plays and calls on us to dance with him. That he is a mighty fortress that no enemy can breach, the prince of peace that no warrior can stop, who opens the doors of heaven that no one may shut them, who declares us innocent that no one may ever say we are guilty again, who declares us free and that no one can make us slaves ever again. Imagine what that kind of faith can do to a person. Imagine what that kind of freedom unleashes in the world. The kind of faith that could even uproot mulberry trees, tell them to go plant themselves in the sea. Now is always the right time to sing a mournful song for the state of the world, the state of our communities, for our own families, for our own lives. Invite the world to mourn with you. There is a world out there that is afraid of grieving, and this is a good place in which to do it. And it's also the right time to continue to call people to dance for joy that we are free and need never fear anything truly again. It's the right time to do that in Pembroke, in the Valley, in Montreal, in Jamaica, the Caymans, Puerto Rico, Haiti, all of Latin America, Africa, Europe, anywhere there are human beings who are continuing to live in fear is the right time and the right place to mourn and to sing for joy. And that is why I am a Lutheran. Because it is only, only the power of Christ's gospel that can bring people out of fear and bring them into a true life of joy. It is only the gospel that can drive out my sinful fear and make me a faithful Christian, and save not just me, but the whole world. And so may the grace, mercy, and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ guard and keep us always in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.